we have a very special Parsha today, and you will see why once we begin. So here we are. Umoshe haya ro'eh etzon yisro, kohemidian. Moshe was the shepherd of Yisro, the shepherd of, of Yisro's sheep, flock. And who was Yisro? That was his father-in-law, who was also the Kohen of Midian, the chief of Midian. So Moshe leads the flocks to the free pasture land. Midbar is desert, but here that clearly is not desert. Since it's kind of hard to uh, graze in the desert. So where does he come? He comes to the mountain of God to Chorev. Says Rashi, he went after the free pasture land. This is already from Rashi's translation. He wanted to stay away from theft. That is, that the animals would not pasture in fields that belonged to others. Uh, you may find this uh, reminiscent of something we read in Genesis. Throughout Genesis, you see that Abraham and his descendants are very careful. They are shepherds, and they're very careful not to graze. Their animals should not graze in lands that does not belong to them. That was the big split between Abraham and Lot, where he tells Lot, Adios, we'll see you later, because Lot's animals were grazing in private lands. And also we find with Ruvain, the oldest son of Yaakov, the son of Leah, that he went and brought Dudaim from the field. And as Rashi points out, he brought from things that were um, ownerless, that had been declared ownerless. And so we see it being reinforced, this idea of the leaders of the Jewish people being very careful not to take anything that doesn't belong to them, even if it's just an animal that is grazing. And so that's what it means, midbar, to places that were ownerless, free pasture land, as opposed to midbar, meaning desert. So midbar in the sense of ownerless. He goes to the, ha- the mountain of God, and you may have been wondering, how is this the mountain of God? It says Rashi, al-shem ha'asid, that it's so named by what's going to happen in the future on this mountain, Namely, where God is going to be revealed. Verse 2. So this is big. Big things are about to happen. So an angel of God appears to him in a flame of fire. Esh, of course, is fire. Labas is the flame. Mitoy chasne from in, in, in middle of the thorn bush, from within the thorn bush. Mitoy is the inside. Vayar and he sees that this thorn bush is burning with fire, and yet vasne and yet the thorn bush is not being consumed. Here, the word ukal, like the word for to eat, lechol achila, to be consumed. It's not being consumed. It's not being eaten up by the fire. Says Rashi, why did God appear in a thorn bush of all places? 
says Rashi, Veloi Ilanacher, it wasn't an avocado tree or a plum tree or even a pomegranate tree. Why? In order to express the concept that God is with us in our distress. And the Jewish people are in a state of great distress in Egypt. And although it seems like God is aloof, he's not doing anything about it. But the truth is, as he reveals to Moshe, if the Jews are suffering, God is with them in that suffering. And that's expressed by the appearance in the thorn bush. Verse 3, Vayemen Moshe, Moshe says, Ooh, Asura Nove Let me now turn and see. Asamare Hagodelazeh, this great spectacle. Madua Loyivrasne, why does the thorn bush not burn up? So, this is what attracts Moshe to the story that there's something unusual about this thorn bush. Invincible. And he says, Asura, now let me turn. And Rashi says, Asura Mikan Liskarev Lisham. I will turn away from here to draw near to there. What is this about? So I think the concept is that here is telling you all about uh, spiritual engagement, that it requires a turning from where you are and the engagement that you're in, perhaps the material things, in self oriented things in order to in order to see in order to behold you need to move away from where you are verse 4 and God sees that he does that that he turned to see so God calls to him from within this thorn bush and he says Moses Moses Moshe says, here I am. And this, of course, is reminiscent of Abraham. When God calls out to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And what does Abraham respond? Here I am. We know already earlier from Rashi earlier that when a name is repeated, it's a sign of affection. When you call somebody by name, that's already some affection. If you call it twice, Moshe, Moshe, this is a sign of, of affection. Greater, even greater affection. He says, here I am. And we say, and we also know from earlier in Chumash, Rashi explained a number of times that Hineni doesn't just mean geographically, here I am. Obviously, that's where you are. But it means, here I am, ready to do your bidding. So clearly, Moshe is aware that this is a presence, this is a, a being that he is that he is uh, subservient to, that he's ready to work for. And the voice says to him, do not draw near here. Remove your shoes. From your feet. The place upon which you are standing, is holy soil. Koidesh, of course, is holy. And Admas, like Adama, is soil or ground, this holy ground. Now, it's interesting that this place is not necessarily holy today. But it was holy then because at that moment, God was presence was being revealed in that thorn bush. And therefore, that place was holy at that time. It doesn't remain holy. It's only after the Torah is given 
that we have this concept that a place can be remain holy. You can you can infuse a place with holiness, such as a synagogue or the Temple Mount where the Beis Hamikdash stood, even after the act of holiness is over. But before then, the spiritual and the material were two different realms. And so while God was there, yes, it was holy, but not afterwards. Verse 6, So this voice says to him, I am the Lord of your father, the Lord of Abraham, the Lord of Isaac, the Lord of Jacob. And Moshe hides his face. He's afraid to gaze, to look at God. And God says to him, I have seen, yes, I have seen, the affliction of my nation in Egypt. And I heard their cry because of their slave drivers. I know their pains. And Rashi describes it even further and says, I set my heart to contemplate and to know their pains, and I have not hidden my eyes, neither will I block my ears from their crying. I am going to go down to save them from the hands of Egypt and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to the land flowing with milk and honey, chalav, milk, udvash, honey, to the place where the Canaanites are and the Chittite and the Amorite and the Prezite and the Chivite and the Jebusite. Ba'ata, now, behold, the cry of the Jewish people has come to me. Interesting. This is very similar to what it says about Sodom. When it says the cry of Sodom has come to me, the cry of the girl in Sodom has come to me. And I've seen the oppression that the Egyptians are oppressing them with. Lochetz literally means like to push down. Today in like modern Hebrew, lachatz is pressure. And now go. And I will send you to Paro. And take out my people, the children of Israel, from Egypt. Says Rashi, if you ask of what help will this be, Says God, your words will help and you will take them out of there. Now Moshe says to God, Who am I? That I should go to Paroi. And I will take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Says Rashi, what does he mean by who am I? He means, Of what importance am I that I should speak with kings? And even if I am important, what merit do the Jewish people have that a miracle should be done to them and I should be able to take them out of Egypt? So according to Rashi, Moshe makes two points here. Number one, what importance am I to speak to, to kings? And secondly, of what merit do the Jewish people have that they should have miracles? It would be a miracle to get them out of Egypt. And if you remember from yesterday, where Rashi, where Rashi tells us that Moshe was unimpressed with the Jewish people based on the experience that he had with um, Dasan and Aviram telling the Egyptian government what Moshe had done when he killed the Egyptian. Verse 12, so God responds, 
The answer is, I'm going to be with you. And this is the sign for you that it was I who sent you. When you take the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Rashi tells us what's going on over here. God is answering his questions. The first question first and the second question second. As we learn in Pirkei Avot, that's one of the signs of a wise person, a refined person, that he answers in order of the questions. So what was the first question? You said, me who am I that I should go to Paro? This is nothing to do with you. This is me. I'm going to be with you. So it doesn't matter whether you're important, you're not important. You're my agent. You're my shaliach. So it's irrelevant. I'm going to be with you. And this vision that you see, that this bush is not burning up, that's the sign that I have sent you. Just like you see this thorn bush doing what I had it do and is not becoming consumed, so too you will go in my mission and talk to Paro and you will not be harmed. And so the imagery of the sne, the thorn bush not being consumed, at first we it seems like it's just a way to get Moshe's attention. And it does. But it's now, um, it's now a, a message to him that if he's afraid that he goes on this mission of God, he's not, he's not fit for the job. God says, don't worry about it. Just like the thorn bush was able to fulfill my mission, it was not harmed, it was not consumed. Same thing will be with you. And that, so that's the answer to the first question. And the second question that you asked, what merit do the Jewish people have to go out of Egypt? I have a big investment in this taking them out of Egypt because they are going to receive the Torah on this mountain three months after they leave Egypt. Was it three months? Just about. So that's one interpretation. Now Rashi gives us another explanation. In other words, why is God telling him that I'm going to take you out? They take them out and they're going to serve God in this mountain. That's a response to Moshe's question of what, what merit, why do they merit to go out? And, you know, Moshe had assumed they needed some merit from the past. And he didn't see any. God tells him it's not about what the past is about what's going to happen in the future, that they are going to receive the Torah. Another explanation. I'm going to be with you, and you're going to succeed. And the fact that you're going to succeed in your mission that is itself the sign for you for another promise, which I promise you that when you take them out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain, for you'll receive the Torah on it. And that is the merit that will stand up for Israel. Verse 13, So Moshe says to God, Moshe gives God a hard time. I'm going to come to the Jewish people and I'm going to say to them, 
the God of your forefathers sent me to you. And they're going to say, I know these Jews, they're skeptical. They're going to say, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moshe, I will be that which I shall be. That's the name. And he said, This is what you shall say to the Jewish people. That Eye has sent me to you. Now, what does this mean? I will be that that which I will be, says Rashi. I will be with them in this difficulty. Just as I will be with them when they will be subjugated by other kingdoms. So Moshe retorts to God and he says, Master of the universe, why should I mention to them that they're having future troubles besides the one they're in now and they're hit in their future, they're going to have more troubles. It's enough they're in trouble that they're in now. So God responds, You've spoken well. That's a good point. In other words, Rashi is explaining in the verse, it starts off, God says to Moshe that his name is Eya Asher Eya. But then when he says, this is what you shall tell the Jewish people, he says, Eya sent me to you. Why didn't he say Eya Asher Eya sent me to you? Why did his name get shortened at, 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 um, at the Statue of Liberty when they came in from Staten Island? All the Jews, their names were shortened. So uh, from uh, Yankelovich to Yankel. So is, why is God's name get shortened over here from Eyashet Eya to Eya? The answer is that God told Moshe first that he's going to be with them in Egypt and I'll be with them again in future troubles. Moshe said, let's not talk about the future troubles. Let's keep that under wraps. The Jews have enough problems. So God says, you're right. Just tell them, hey, yeah, I will be with them. And so God's answer, what is my name? My name is that I, I, I am with you. I will be with you in this trouble. Verse 15, God now says something further to Moshe. This is what you shall tell the, Jew, the children of Israel. God, the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how I should be mentioned in every generation. Rashi points out the word for forever, le'olam, right? Olam means world, but le'olam means forever. Like you say after the Shema, le'olam ba'ed, right? Forever. So he points out that there's missing a vav over here. Typically in the word olam is spelled ayin vav lamid mem, and the vav creating that O sound. So Rashi points out that the word le'olam is missing chaser vav. It's missing the letter vav. And that's, of course, deliberate. And what it, it's there to tell you something. It's tell, there to tell you that you should conceal God's name. It should not be read as it is written. So you read it as le'alem. So alem also means to conceal. right? That's why the word olam for world means concealed. Because in the world, God is concealed. So by taking out the Vav, it tells us to read it to conceal. That when you say the name of God, it should be concealed. You shouldn't pronounce it the way that it is written. So God taught Moshe 
how it was to be read, this name of God. Okay, let's go on a little further because we're, we're it's very very high, leaving us with a cliffhanger over here. So let's see what Rashi, what the Torah says further for tomorrow's Chomish, uh, verse sixteen. Go and gather the elders of Israel, and you shall say to them, "The Lord God of your forefathers appeared to me, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, Pakoid pakaditi This is the this is the secret code." I have surely remembered you, and that which is done to you in Egypt. Says Rashi, who are these elders, those devoted to study? And if you will say it just means old people, well, that's hundreds of thousands of people. Verse 17, and I said, I will bring you up from the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, to the land of flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews happened upon us, and now let us go for a, a, a journey of three days in the desert and offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Rashi says, as soon as you say this expression, that I will surely remember you, this expression over here, that's the secret code. And you use that expression, they're going to listen to you. The Medrash says that when Moshe came to the Jewish people, they didn't know who he, they didn't trust him. And so Serach, who was the daughter of Usher, they asked her, you know, how do we know? If the guy is real or not. And she said, Well, did he what expression did he use? And they said, Did he use the expression pakot pakadati eschem? Said, ah, that's correct. He got the right, the right phrase. Because this is a sign that was given to them from Yaakov and Yosef that with this expression, pakot pakadati, they will be redeemed. Verse 19, and I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go, except through a mighty hand. If I don't show him a mighty hand, he won't let you go. Verse 20, and I'm going to send my hand and smite Egypt with all of my wonders that I will do within it, and then he will send you. And I will give the grace, put this people's favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and when you go, you will not go empty-handed. And a woman will, will borrow from her neighbor and from the dweller in her house. Migoras Besa. So Gor, like um, Lagur, means to dwell. The one who dwells in her house. Silver, gold, uh, garments. You'll put it on your children, your sons and your daughters, and you will clear out Egypt of its wealth. Verse 1, Moshe responds and says, They're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. And they're going to say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And that's where we'll stop for today. And open it up to questions and comments.
quite a Parsha. So, so what is the exact translation of Eya again? I will be. Lihiyot is to be. Haya was. Hoveh is present. Yihiyeh will be. Eheyeh, the, the Aleph at the beginning, makes it I. Eheyeh, I will be. <laughs> 